Greetings to all our listeners from the Kahnawake Mohawk Territory on the south shore of Montreal and from the Quebec Native Women's Organization. My name is Sherry Osnaawi Jacobs and I am your host. I am the Digital Information Coordinator on Family Violence in an Indigenous Context at the Quebec Native Women's Organization situated in Kahnawake, Quebec. This podcast is the eighth in a series of bilingual podcasts on family violence in an Indigenous context. I use the term family violence as domestic violence, intimate partner violence or conjugal violence affects the whole family and not just the victim and the aggressor. The goal is to help spread awareness about the concept of family violence in an Indigenous context that includes elders, children and perpetrators, as well as to highlight organizations and resources that help victims, family members and concerned community members. The website sosviolenceconjugal.ca, all one word, is an excellent resource for learning about and coping with family violence. And the website is available in 28 languages. And they have a hotline that is in operation 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, as well as a chat feature. SOS Violence Conjugal has been in service for 35 years and they are the gateway to any service needed, such as Indigenous women's shelters. Their number is 1-800-363-9010. On our Quebec Native Women's website, you will find the Nonviolence folder under the Files tab where there is a drop-down menu and the Nonviolence folder is the second option. There we have a toolbox with several materials that are designed to equip workers who work with Indigenous women, girls, two-spirited people and families in abusive situations. You will find resource directories, awareness tools, campaigns and educational materials for social workers and Indigenous women's shelters alike. To receive free printed material or to contribute to the toolkit, contact us by email at material at fac-qnw.org or you can call me, Sherry Jacobs, at 450-632-0088, extension 224. In this episode, I will be discussing the eight emotional abuse tactics in intimate partner relationships to help listeners recognize when psychological manipulation is being used. With permission from sosviolenceconjugal.ca, my source of information is articles found on their website. Before we begin, if you or someone you know is a residential school survivor, you can access Emotional and Crisis Referral Service at 1-866-925-4419. There is also the Hope for Wellness line at 1-855-242-3310. So let's begin. Eight Emotional Abuse Tactics in Intimate Partner Relationships Emotional abuse is an intimate part of the strategies used by an abuser to exert power in an intimate relationship. These are strategies where the abuser targets different components of a person's identity and psychological health. Self-confidence, self-esteem, self-image, perceptions, emotions, thoughts, dignity, psychological functioning, and mental health. It can thus destabilize and weaken it internally to facilitate the construction of a psychological hold. 
So first up, we have love bombing. Love bombing involves overwhelming the victim with excessive and unexpected compliments, attention, affection, appreciation, gifts, and gestures of love, often very early in the relationship. The aggressor's goal is to create an intense emotional bond to foster early attachment and then significant commitments on the part of the victim. It can then demand the form of reciprocity and cultivate a sense of accountability in the victim and thus begin to impose certain things on them. Love bombing usually occurs early in the relationship, but can also be used at the time of remission in the cycle of abuse to catch up with a victim who is beginning to question the relationship, often as a result of a more overt violent event. Next, there is cognitive diversion, gaslighting. Cognitive hijacking is a form of psychological manipulation in which the abuser tries to impose a false version of reality on the victim. To do this, the abuser can discredit the victim's perceptions with statements such as, you're exaggerating again, I didn't even scream, questioning her memories, it didn't happen like that, you just remember what suits you, or disqualify her interpretation of reality. It was just a joke. For example, an abuser may deny that an event actually happened or that something was said when in fact it was. I never told you that. You make up stories. Conversely, it can also claim that an event happened or that something was said when it was not. You told me you agreed last week. How could you forget that? Compliment. Negging. To be complacent is to disguise an insult or criticism in a statement that seems, on the surface, to be a compliment. This tactic serves to destabilize the victim, to make that person doubt themselves in order to gain power over the victim. These compliments often manifest themselves in the form of a seemingly positive statement, but expressed with a hint of irony or sarcasm, which makes it clear that the abuser means the opposite of what he or she is saying. Companions can take the form of comparisons. You're really beautiful there, but have you seen the shape of the girl there? Fake compliments. You are way too smart to think that. Fake constructive criticism. You're super good at skiing, but I have to tell you that it's really peculiar the way you go down the moguls or diverted messages. My mom told me you had good hips to carry kids. Conspiracies will often lead to a negative reaction on the part of the victim towards the aggressor, who will then have an opportunity to invalidate the victim and question the victim's interpretation of the facts. I give you a compliment and you freak out. Emotional manipulation. Emotional manipulation is a form of emotional abuse that involves influencing a person's emotions to control them and keep them in control. The abuser tries to induce emotions of fear, terror, pain, emotional suffering, shame, embarrassment, anger, etc., knowing that this will push the victim to act as the perpetrator wishes and make the victim lose credibility with others or make that person lose power over the situation. The aggressor can use different means to achieve this, threatening, intimidating, blaming, 
denigrating, guilt-tripping, ridiculing, blackmailing, insulting, deceiving, invalidating, infantilizing, etc. Emotional deprivation, cold shouldering. Another phase of emotional abuse is emotional deprivation, sometimes also referred to as silence processing. Emotional deprivation involves the abuser denying the victim affection, validation, support, and love in an effort to control, coerce, or punish. They may be indifferent to the victim's emotional needs, deliberately ignore them, or deprive them of emotional contact. Conversely, the abuser can then reward the victim's submissive behaviors by giving them the attention and affection they had previously deprived them of. Social restriction. Abusive partners will very often try to isolate their victim, an example, limit their access to their loved ones in order to weaken them psychologically. The victim then finds themselves cut off from the relationships that feed their inner strength, provide validation and support, and could help them see their situation more clearly. In addition to isolation, social restriction can also take the form of exclusion. An example, a partner may intentionally exclude the victim from certain social circles where they should normally be welcome family, a circle of friends, etc., often by manipulating loved ones against them. He may even use this exclusion in his emotional manipulation later on to arouse in her particularly painful feelings of humiliation and rejection. The victim then risks self-exclusion to avoid feeling these emotions. This will also contribute to isolation in a particularly vicious circle. Social restriction allows the abuser to become the sole point of contact for the victim, which amplifies the abuser's hold on the victim. Sleep deprivation. An abuser may deliberately deprive the victim of sleep with the goal of making them more vulnerable. He may wake her up with a start when she's about to fall asleep, refuse to let her sleep to settle an argument, often intentionally triggered at bedtime, or wake her up incessantly during the night. He may also demand that his partner conform to his own sleep schedule without worrying about her own reality. The victim may then find themselves in a significant sleep deficit if they have no choice but to go to bed at 3 a.m. and get up at 6 a.m. to get the children ready for school and go to work. She then loses a lot of resistance and finds herself greatly weakened, both psychologically and physically. Role Reversal, DARVO. The acronym DARVO stands for Deny, Attack, Reverse, Victim, and Defender. Frayed, 1997. In French, it can be translated as Denying, Attacking, and Reversing the Victim and the Aggressor. This is a very common tactic where the aggressor will use different elements of reality to give the victim the role of aggressor and position himself as the victim. To achieve this, the abuser will use many of the consequences of the violence that he or she has created in the victim to discredit him or her and make him or her appear aggressive, unstable, and violent. His or her legitimate anger his or her defensive behaviors, 
particularly reactive violence, and several manifestations of post-traumatic stress, such as distrust and irritability. This strategy allows the aggressor to gain a lot of power over the victim by manipulating the victim's perception of the situation. The victim feels responsible. He or she perceives himself as the aggressor, but also that of relatives and stakeholders. It also allows the abuser to threaten the victim with legal action if she chooses to leave or file a complaint. This method is widely used as evidenced by the wave of parental alienation charges against victims of domestic violence, the rates of cross-complaints to the police, and in the many court cases where partners accused of violence will generally respond with their own accusations, which may lead to the perception that this is a severe conflict where both parties are involved rather than a situation of domestic violence. Consequences. The psychological impact of these forms of violence on victims is very significant. They may become confused, consistently doubt their memory or perceptions, or feel that they are exaggerating or overly sensitive. They may present with very significant emotional distress, with a lot of anxiety or anger, or, on the contrary, be cut off from their emotions and in a state of depression. They may feel intense confusion about what they are thinking, feeling, or wanting, and this makes it very difficult for them to trust themselves, which makes it very difficult for them to question the abusive situation they are in and to recover afterwards. The psychological repercussions of this violence could easily be interpreted through a large number of mental health diagnoses or even personality disorders. It is important to recognize that these are injuries caused by violence and to focus on a post-traumatic understanding of the reactions of victims of intimate partner violence and that these reactions are normal in the circumstances. What needs to be remembered is that these psychological wounds can heal with support, validation, understanding, and time. And that concludes our episode for today. Thank you for joining me.